I've spent the last 12 years trying to find the ultimate model to run a chiropractic business, and I think I discovered it. The Clinic Gym Hybrid Model, where you integrate fitness with the great care that chiropractic offices offer. Now, I perfected that model, and I sold that business last year. Now I've gone full-time into discovering how to help others build the same model in their practice, and I have the goal of 100 hybrid clinics starting up in the next year. So follow along as we interview the greatest guests, thought leaders in our space here, and discover the ways to perfect this model so that you can run an amazing business that also contributes to your time off, increased pay, and increased fulfillment by doing the care that you truly believe in. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today today to be joined by one of the most impressive businessmen I've ever met, which is Troy Broussard from Membrant. Troy, what's going on, bud? Oh, hey, man. Well, now I've got to live up to that intro. <laughs> it's good to be here, Josh. It's been quite a while since we've talked, and I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up with you here today. Well, good. I, I can re-record and say that the 180th best businessman I know, Troy, that, that way there's no expectations. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of the skit from Saturday Night Live, Lowered Expectations. If you've not seen that one, <laughs> it's worth a good laugh. Awesome. Well, um, Troy, uh, real quick, uh, I said Membrant, which a lot of people aren't yet familiar with that idea or that brand. Can you give them a little idea of what it is that Membrant does and, and uh, why it's so damn cool? Yeah, absolutely. So Membrant is an app platform. Uh, it's not an actual app, but it's a platform that allows you to put mobile learning in the palm of your hands for any of your customers. So rather than sending them to a traditional desktop learning management system or LMS, being able to take all of your membership content, your audios, your training content, and put them right into a custom app that is your app branded uh, with your name and logos and all that stuff. So today, you know, there's just, we all know the stats, the average user spending about five hours on the phone a day today, and desktop usage is down to just under two hours on average a day. So the huge trends in mobile learning uh, as opposed to traditional desktop learning, and this is a platform that enables it. So in the context of my listeners here, people are chiropractor, physical therapist with a gym, what essentially, let's say I had a really kick-ass weight loss and diet plan, I can put it onto an app that lives on their phone and looks like anything I would download, well, the high-end stuff I would download from the app store rather rather than being like, logging into some Fakakta website and rescaling with my fingers a hundred times and clicking tiny buttons like this would look legit. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, even beyond that is the fact that, you know, you can use this in a way that the content would be tag controlled. And so let's just kind of go with a chiropractor example, for example, and say that, you know, you diagnose somebody with upper um, cervical, you know, pain. And so you tag them with that tag. And they would then in their app, when they log in, they would see exercises and stretching regimens and such for the upper cervical, right? Or you could have a different tag for lower lumbar and have a different set of exercises and things that you gave them there. So it's but really going to vomit 6,000 exercises and stretches that they can't wade their way through. Absolutely. Yeah. Very targeted. Every user, when they log into the app, has their own experience based on kind of the logic and the constraints and rules that you set up for them. Yeah. So this is like the equivalent of going to a bar, meeting some pretty girl. And when I notice that she has the, uh, she's wearing a PETA logo on her shirt, I don't start talking about going out to steak dinner because she probably won't be into that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There and I start talking about all my volunteer work with three-legged uh, puppy rescue uh, that I did last summer and dedicated my life to, you know, spaying and neuter- neutering pets to help out the world, right? There now she's go. into me. There you go. All right. Maybe that's not a great example, but uh, your app is pretty damn cool. Your app platform, I should say. But the real reason I wanted to have Troy on, not, not that that's not a reason, but the big reason I should say I wanted to have you on this podcast is, for those who don't know, when I first started Clinic Gym Hybrid, a lot of that was inspired by Troy or the way I set it up and kind of the methods. And I don't even know if you know this, Troy, but basically like when I was starting that, I was reading your book, which is all about Infusionsoft, which is like, uh, for those people who don't know, it's, it's a CRM platform. And Troy, is a, he is a programmer that, but he's like also like the Rosetta Stone. Like he can 
translate technical language into something that like a dumb chiropractor like me can actually use to build a business. So when I was building it, one of the first things that struck me was this idea of building a business built on your own constraints. Do you remember having like talking about this a lot? Yeah, I do. It's a, it's a pretty common theme with me because it's as I go through any, you know, work with clients, I'll always start with constraints. And, you know, it's kind of the, as you well know, I'm, I'm a contrarian in everything I do. And most people talk about marketing from an attraction-based model. And they talk about their business and how to build their business. And they're immediately going into this mindset. And I get it because it's business, right? And you're trying to make money. And so that's you know where your mind goes is how do I attract? How do I sell? How do I bring all these things in? But I take a really contrarian approach to that. And I completely flip it around. And you know, I look at what do I not want to do? What are the constraints of how I want to build my business? And, you know, honestly, Josh, it all kind of goes back to, to my history, you know, and, and having lost everything and restarted over in 2008 after losing millions and, you know, building a business overseas in Brazil uh, in the worst economic downturn we've had since the Great Depression, right? And where the, where the women were hot, but the wireless signals were not. That's right. You got that. <laughs> <laughs> on both accounts the wire the the internet was so bad i used to have three different internet services i had a dsl uh service uh, and uh, an adsl service a cable service and then i even had on top of that i had a 3g you know wireless connection cellular connection and I had all of these signals going into a multiplexer that was basically the router, but it would combine all the different internets together, and then it would output one signal so that if any one of the systems went down, I could still maintain my internet connection because, you know, I'd be hosting a live webinar or something, and, you know, two of the services would go offline. So, yeah, it was... It was going to a deli, and it's like, well, we have a... Four different types of shit sandwiches, but um, they're fresh today. And whichever one you'd like to take home with you, you're welcome to. <laughs> exactly. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we'll make it work, right? So, um, you know, and that's a perfect yeah. example. Those are the constraints that I had to deal with, right? right. And so, you well, know. Yeah, what I want to kind of, what's interesting, like Membrant came out of the idea of like the constraint is people carry their phones everywhere. I mean, I would love to see a, a graph of number of minutes spent on the toilet and number of minutes of internet consumption, because I think that's going to be like almost a one-to-one -one ratio, right? <laughs> and, but going back to the constraints, talking about like when I set up this business, one of the, I mean, you have some, some experience in chiropractic, but one of the issues that a lot of chiropractors run into and physical therapists is that one of the constraints is you can only do it one-on-one -on -one with people, right? Like there's no way to treat seven people at the same time. Right. And so when people are like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to build up my business and I want to make a million bucks and hire, you know, other people to work for me, that's great. Except to get to that point, if your whole goal is I'm just going to increase till I make a million bucks, like you're never going to leave your office because if you are going to make that money through the hands-on treatment of patients, the constraint is you have to be there to fulfill it, which sucks because, you know, my whole goal of business was like freedom, like I'm owning a small business and going through all this bullshit because I want to be free, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really tough to do just, you know, there's some practices that I've seen. I've been to chiropractic treatment for probably 25, 30 years now. So yeah. I've seen a lot of different things on this, on the side. And, you know, there's a few of them that kind of are able to refine the model, but not very many, right? It's very tough to kind of take a, a traditional medical doctor type approach to chiropractic. And what I mean by that is when you go into the hospital, you know, you, you hardly even talk to the doctor right? You go through some certified nursing assistant and then some nurse and then take a bunch of information and the doctor comes in and out in five minutes and gone kind of thing. And that's done in order to minimize the amount of time the doctor is spending with you so the doctor can scale their practice, right? In chiropractic, that's a lot more difficult. And you see the majority of chiropractic practices are are small practices when you look at total employees and owners it might be you know more typically in the one to four kind of range yeah. and 
having that ability to leverage like that is really, really tough. So yeah, I, I think that that's a, a big issue for chiropractors for sure. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to more people about the, what I call the hybrid model, because when I got to a point in my practice, I was like, I want to expand, but I don't want to be expanding my hours worked. And so we added a gym on and the gym allowed us to scale because in a gym class, you can have 20 people at a time without needing 20 other chiropractors, right? Like it allowed, but it was a perfect segue from, Hey, I know you're out of pain now, or we're getting you out of pain. Uh, the next step in this would be keeping you out of pain, which would be this program. And I think that the gym just fits so well on, but I want people to think about like, what is it that you, what is the big constraint? Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to break things down into simple little analogies, right? I think that uh, we talk about things and, and they're kind of nebulous terms like constraints and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I'm going to walk you through a little kind of analogy that I use and, and see if this kind of resonates with you, Josh. Perfect. Um, I like to look, about, look at this as if I was going to sit down and play a game of chess, now, if I was going to sit down and play a game of chess, the first question, if I walked up to this table and I see this, you know, board laying on there, the first question I'm going to say is, what, what game am I playing? Like, what is the game, right? If I walk in here, I just see this board. I don't know what it is. Is it chess? Is it checkers? Um, I don't really have any understanding of it. So the first thing we've got to define is what is the game that we're playing? Now, if the game is about scaling our revenue, we need to make that very definitive. The game is about doubling our revenue, or the game is about going from 440000 to 812000 right? It has to be a very specific outcome. So we have to start by just defining the game and say, this is the game we're playing. Now, to flip that, the game might not be business at all, right? Another example might be your health or your fitness, and you, know, and you want to drop another 55 pounds in the next one year. Well, that's the game. That's where you start. But in this case, we'll just keep it to the chiropractic stuff and say that it's about scaling your business. And we've defined what those metrics are. We've defined where we want to go. And, and that kind of defines the game that we're playing. But then there's two other things that we really have to understand. If we're going to sit down and play chess, we need to understand all the pieces on the board. We need to know what those pieces are and the rooks and the pawns and the queen and the bishops. We have to understand all of those. Mm -hmm. And then we also have to understand the rules of the game. We need to know how a bishop moves versus a rook and how a pawn can move and all of the little intricacies of those rules. Now, with those three things, we can play the game. We got the board, we know what the game is, we've got our pieces, and we've got the rules. And I like to define constraints-based business approaches the same way. And the game, we know that. We start looking at the pieces, and the pieces are your assets. The pieces are your assets. So, you know, if you've got a junior chiropractor that's an asset that you're training up, and you've got a massage therapist on staff that comes in, you know, two days a week for half days, and you've got a receptionist in the mornings but not the afternoons, well, those are your pieces, right? And those are some of your pieces, but you have other pieces, you have other assets, you have an email list asset, right? You may have um, an existing customer base. That's an asset. You may also have things like uh, referral agreements with maybe a gym where, you know, you know the owners of the gym and they tend to send you people every now and then and you tend to refer people to the gym or something. Although in your hybrid model, you know, we want to bring that in house clearly. But all of those different things are your assets, and so as you're kind of looking at how you're going to solve this problem, we've got the board, now we start listing out our assets, and then we start defining the rules of the game, right? And this is where we get into the constraints. And this is something that very, very few people actually go to because instead of looking at the constraints, they look at all the things that they could do. But Honestly, that's just going to lead to frustration and overwhelm and very low probability of success. So if instead you look at really focusing in on the constraints of how you want to build your business, then everything's going to fall into place a lot easier because you know what the pieces are, you know how you can arrange them, and you know that these are the rules you have to fit within, right? Does that make sense, Josh? 
Yeah. And just one little point that uh, I want people to, you're saying rules. Rules are also what make these things fun. Like chess is more fun when we have the rules about, you know, not every uh, piece can move like the queen. You know, in basketball, I say, how long would you watch if there are no lines painted on the ground? Like, no, and nobody would want to watch that game, right? It's like, there are no rules here. Therefore, it's not as fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the rules, one of the constraints is your business hours. So, you know, I, I go to a chiropractor. They're only open on Fridays till noon. And they're open Monday through Thursday from 8.30 till noon. And then from 2.30 till 5.30, right? Mm -hmm. And those are the rules. Those are the constraints. But just like you said, it can be fun because if you know what those rules are, you can start to play with them, right? <laughs> and can I, can I work less of my hours but actually open the practice longer? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how would I do that? I like to ask and questions, not or questions, right? So a lot of times people will say things like they'll challenge themselves to say, okay, well, how do I uh, double my revenue? Uh, and then the typical response is, is ways that they can work more. And I look at it as how can you double your revenue and work less? And the way you can do that is really understanding the constraints and how to leverage them, right? But it really takes a, a pretty articulated effort into those constraints and really listing out all of the things that you know you absolutely won't compromise on. So let me give you a couple examples. Like you're going to laugh at my number one constraint. You know me well enough. You probably already know it. But my number one constraint in business is that I don't wear a tie for anybody. That's laugh at it if you will, but yeah. that's... That's it. Like, I will not put, I don't even own a tie. I've got a few that were left from me for my grandfather when he passed away that I've kept because they're sentimental value. But every tie I ever used to own in corporate has been, you know, thrown in the round file a long, long time ago. And I don't enjoy being in a tie. I feel constrained. I don't feel, uh, it reminds me of being in corporate and being an employee and having a dress code. So I just refuse to wear a tie. It's a simple constraint, but it kind of defines who I am. I have constraints such as I don't generally work Fridays. I may take a call or two if I really you know, want to, but it's not a work day for me. It's more of a project fun time for me. That's a constraint. And so I start to design things around this. So, you know, when I lost everything in 2008 and I had to rebuild in 2009 and I was overseas down in Brazil, I had a lot of those constraints, right? I, my cons I was constrained by working online. I couldn't go get a job in Brazil. I mean, I, you know, they weren't going to pay me anything with my level of experience and the dollar exchange rate and all that. There's no way in hell I was ever going to get a job. So the constraint was it had to be something online. It had to be something that I could run without a phone because, you know, making international phone calls from Brazil wasn't that easy. Although uh, <laughs> I did start using a lot of uh, Skype redirect phone calls, right? But the point is, there was a lot of constraints. And, and so when you get really articulate in all of those constraints, then it, it, it's kind of fun because then it becomes a game. It becomes a game of how you can move those assets around on the board within those constraints that you've defined. All right. Can we, can we play a little bit here? Absolutely. So one of the things I hear from a lot of my, a lot of my folks is a lot of people get into this um, hybrid model They've usually built up a pretty good business, like they're, they're doing well in their clinic, but usually they're either having a kid or their kids are starting to get older. So there's like some extracurricular, you know, want to spend more time with the family, want to pick the kid up from school, that kind of stuff. So if the person is working, let's just say for argument's sake, eight to five, Monday through Friday, and they said, hey, I want to be like Troy and I'm going to start taking Fridays off, right? But... My wife and I are saving for a house, so I also need to bring in an extra $50,000 of personal income this year, right? Like, I want to work one day less, and I want to make more, right? That's an and statement that falls in line with the Troy Broussard method, right? Yep. All right. So, how do we start playing the game? So, you're going to have to look at that scenario and see how you can do that. Uh, what you want to look at is how do I price stretch? How can I offer different pricings? One of the things that I did with my local chiropractor is just to tell you how I buy. And, and this is something that, you know, maybe other chiropractors will enjoy hearing. But, you know, I don't like being nickel and dimed. I have no problem paying 
a premium price, but I don't like being nickel and dimed. And so, so for example, on a, you'd rather pay for like a first class ticket on Delta for 700 than get a discount on Frontier for 200 but you pay for drinks on, on the plane, you pay 30 bucks for your bag, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. But in a chiropractic example, you know, what I did is I went in and just said, after I found that these were the guys I wanted to work with, I said, well, here's the deal. Give me your price for the next year that I can come in whenever I come in. I don't have to have an appointment. I'm not going to skip anybody in line. You know, I wait my turn. If I show up and you're busy and I have to wait an hour to get treatment, that's fine. But I don't want to have to make appointments and I don't want to be charged every time I come into the office. Just give me a one-time annual concierge level pricing. And, you know, that's what I created on the fly. And, you know, that's an example. There's people out there like myself that will pay much more um, if you have programs in place for them. So when you're looking at getting creative and generating revenue, always ask yourself, you know, how could I stretch my services into a higher price point, into a higher territory? right? And, you know, that type of thing works really, really well for me. There was a period of time when I would go in several times a week. And then there's periods of times where I don't go in for several weeks at a time. But I love the fact that I don't have to pay every time I show up, right? And so that's an example of creating that. Other things that you might be doing, just you, you need to build that creativity and structure into your day. So let's say you want to be able to take off for a couple of hours in the afternoon every day to coach your son's little league game or his t-ball perfect yeah right perfect example and so you know that that's going to be from one to three every day that you need to have a couple of hours out of the office now what most people will do is they'll shut down during those times right that's the Mm -hmm. typical response but again if you approach it from an and mechanism of how do I take these two hours off and stay open at the very minimal right or go even deeper and say and make more money Well, then you would do something like leave your office open during those times and schedule the either the x-rays or the new patient intakes or massage or, um, you know, physical therapy that you partner up with a physical therapist to bring in or the gym type stuff where you teach classes and lessons and you outsource that into another uh, provider so that you're still maintaining that continuity of your service throughout the day. And you're filling that block of time with other revenue creating activity, but yet you're freeing yourself up and condensing what you do. Right. I love that because I think there's a lot of people that look at the highest ROI in their businesses when they are treating patients. But if you step back, like you're saying, and look at your list of services, if I just pull you physically out of the office and in place do say some rehab or massage or all those things, I think that that actually may be more dollars per hour than when you're in there, which then the next question becomes like, how do I get more of that? Yeah, absolutely. Which is, I know, one of the big focal points of, of your hybrid model, right? Which I'm, I'm very familiar with. But I think that, you know, this is when you look at chiropractic, and I'm going to give you an outside consumer perspective, right? It is quite frustrating for someone like myself as a consumer of chiropractic because most chiropractors keep bankers hours, right? They have all kinds of restrictions on when they're open, only open half a day on this day, closed on that day, all of these things. And that does not lead to a good customer relationship because customers are in pain. That's why they're coming to see a chiropractor and they want to see somebody when they're in pain, not when it's convenient to the chiropractor to have his doors open. And so I think as chiropractor, if you can look at more of these opportunities of how do we stretch our scheduling and be there to serve people and do it through multiple doctors and overlapping schedules and things that, that really look at it from the customer perspective and not just your perspective. Now I'm not saying work harder though, right? Work smarter find ways to juggle the schedules and juggle these times like we're talking about in a way that that is an and based solution. Yeah, I I, uh, I know of a chiropractor that kind of one of our clients for consulting. And he's in an area with a lot of runners and, and triathletes. And yeah. uh, so, you know, they all want to be seen at like 630 in the morning. Now, yeah. he has no desire to stay till eight o'clock at night, which is the other time they want to be seen, right? Right. So his deal is, 
Tuesdays and or Mondays and Thursdays, he goes in at six thirty and sees them. But on those days, he leaves at one. That's it, you know. And uh, and then he has somebody else that covers those afternoons while he's gone because he's like, I'm not getting up early and staying late. I'll do one or the other. But sure. he loves it because those people from like six thirty to probably around nine are the exact people he gets along with because he's a triathlete as well. And so he gets those great triathletes. So they're not a pain in the ass. They pay their bills. They're, you know, they're in and out. They're not headache clients, but he's like, I want the revenue, but I certainly don't want to work a 15 hour day, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to encourage people just as an example here, like it can be done no matter what it can be done. I can guarantee you that I ran while living on the road with my entire family in an RV driving all around the country. I ran five businesses and was a CTO of a sixth one. And I did that all while working remotely and spending the entire year traveling all through, you know, uh, vacation destinations with my family and seeing the parks and Yosemite and everything else. And it's very, very feasible as long as you have the, and understand your constraints. And so I would specifically lay out my day where I got up at 4 a.m., and I would drive, do some of my morning stuff before starting work. And then I would start work at five at the local Starbucks. I would camp in close proximity to a Starbucks so that I could rob their Wi-Fi, you know, and I'd always buy something there too. So I'd have a morning coffee and spend some money with them. But um, then I would leverage their Wi-Fi because staying in parks and camping and all of that, you don't have very good Wi-Fi. And I would be done by work with any time, any time between 10 and 11. And by then I'm getting back to the family and the kids are just kind of getting going in the morning. We change the bath schedule around instead of, you know, nighttime baths, doing morning baths. So that they were kind of doing that when they got up. And by the time they were all good to go for the day, I was coming home from work. And by 11 o'clock in the morning, I was done for the day. Now, I might have a call or two that I might operate in the afternoon, if, but it was a constraint. It had to be a phone call. I wouldn't do a Zoom call. I wouldn't do a conference. And so they, I just had all of these constraints. And it was actually the most productive and effective time of my life in terms of effective versus efficiency, right? Because I had all of those constraints in place and religiously had to adhere to them. And it made me far more productive. So I just want to say that because I think that a lot of times people think that they can't get out of their own comfort zone and they think, well, I can't do this. And they think of the either or, but you can do and solutions. You just have to plan them out properly. Hey, it's Dr. Josh. And real quick, we'll get right back to that interview. But I definitely want to tell you all about our super conference. It's coming up on April 13th and 14th in Austin, Texas. Now, what is it and what makes it so awesome? Well, it's super. That's why it's called the super conference. And it's super because we've combined two of the greatest models in all of the clinic gym hybrid space. And that is the accelerator program. We are putting it live into an event and you're going over everything we cover in an accelerator live. Now, we can't go as in depth as the online training, but we're going to give you an overview on Saturday about how to run the business side of the operation. And then on Sunday, we have partnered with the CFSC, the Certified Functional Strength Coach Program, and they are teaching a course all about the exercise to do and the progressions and regressions to do with your clients. So you combine those two models, the best exercise program with the best business model, and you have an absolute super conference. So I hope you can join us April 13th and 14th in Austin, Texas. Go to our website, clinicgymhybrid.com and look for the button that says Super Conference. Once again, clinicgymhybrid.com and there's the button right at the top that says, tell me about the Super Conference. Click there, you got all the info. Thanks a lot. We'll get right back to that interview. So one of the common constraints that I hear is I want to do this hybrid model, but I don't have any space, right? I'm on this, I'm stuck in this lease for another three years and it's a small office, blah, 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 blah. Interestingly, and this is not a, a, a what do you call that? Shameless plug for Membrant, but let me just use that as one possible avenue. If somebody says like, I, I can't, I physically can't get any different office space. You know, I've got a massage therapist comes in a couple times, gives me some relief, but all my clients keep asking me about something right? Like they all ask me about training for a marathon or they all ask me about diet and nutrition, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this expertise idea. Can you kind of lay out some, maybe like a three-step plan to get, 
you know, obviously you sell an app, but let's just say just the business of expertise that a local chiropractor could possibly sell to increase their profits, but without making them work more hours. So they're not going to be in the office as much, but they bring in more revenue. Yeah. You know, I have gone to chiropractors for decades. And so I've had numerous conversations over the years, probably a hundred in this exact topic. And, you know, chiropractic is good for treating what's going on at the moment. But then, you know, what happens is the adjustment slips out and you come back a week later and you've got to get readjusted or however many days later it is, you know, maybe it's two days, maybe it's a month. It doesn't really matter. But the point is like, what can I do in between visits in order to prolong the duration of my adjustment? You know, how can I strengthen the muscles around uh, my neck area? What kind of stretching routines can I do? All of those things could easily be turned into a course that you train people on uh, remotely on their phone with video instruction and showing them how to do it. And here's the thing, when it comes to doing this type of stuff, you're doing it already. Why not just get paid for it? <laughs> because they're doing it already. They're just re-explaining it every single time. And they honestly don't want to explain it in detail because they're busy and they're trying to get to the next client, right? And they're trying to get to that next adjustment on the book. And so they're trying to move too quickly. But the reality is, if you just take the time and create your best possible explanation on XYZ stretching routine for this damaged area of your neck and you really lay that out when you're not rushed for time and you record it and turn it into great training, what you've done is you've ensured that you're going to have your best teaching and instruction every single time because now it's a training that you can provide to somebody to do that as well as generate additional revenue from that right and one thing i noticed is like when you record it you come in let's say you come in on a saturday and you shoot a bunch of videos the clarity and the pace of those videos is so much closer to the way people understand information Rather than I've got 38 seconds left with Troy, I got to tell him how to stretch three different muscles and strengthen others. And, and your patient doesn't actually come away with much information. I mean, if you tested them, you know, after they get home, like, what do you remember? They're going to be like, uh, he said something about this air. I don't really know. Yeah. And so it's, it's actually more advantageous for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives them something that they can follow up on. So that, that's just like one example, right? But I will go back even further in, in a different example of, of this entirely. It has nothing to do with my app and just give you another thing. You know, when people say I'm, I'm tied up in this three-year lease and I can't do this and I can't do that, I loathe that word. Like it's banned in my house with my kids. Uh, anytime they push back, I can't do this, dad, or I can't do that. The, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. And I can tell you that I have a lot of experience in this area of getting out of contracts. I had to do this when I was in the corporate world and, and renegotiate contracts. You know, a contract is an agreement, but it doesn't mean that it can't be gotten out of. And let's just hypothetically say that you're going to pay a fee and you're going to have to, you know, negotiate your way out of this. But at the end of the day, if you have that discussion with the management company and you play hardball and you say, look, this just isn't working for me, this contract, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out of business paying these fees. And then you're not going to get anything on this three years that you've got left. And what I'd like to do is negotiate something that's fair and equitable where I can give you nine or 120 days notice, you have time to fill the spot with somebody else, but there's no way possible this is going to work. And, and play hardline and negotiate your way out of a contract. Yes, you may have some additional fees, but here's what. When you see those, what those additional fees are, you find out what your exit cost is, then go out and pre-sell some concierge level services or do some new type of offering, even if it's for a limited period of time, you know, something where you can charge a premium for it to ramp up some revenue to buy your way out, right? There's all kinds of creative solutions there. And I've never yet found a contract that you can't get your way out of if you're not willing, you know, if you're, if you're willing to kind of go talk to an attorney and go at it and, 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 and with the, with the mindset of I'm going to make this happen, right? As opposed to I'm stuck to this for the next three years. Can, can we dive in a second, really, Troy? Because yeah. uh, you can illustrate as much as you want, but you've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows of business, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, You've I've, been, uh, not just kicked in the nuts, but repeatedly and viciously kicked in the nuts. Sure. Sure. I've lost everything twice in life. I've been bankrupt and uh, I've lost so much money that I couldn't afford to go bankrupt. So, so there are some people I'm sure listening to this going, oh yeah, it's really easy, blah, blah. Because as you know, when, when times are tough or money's tight, you aren't, there's not a whole lot of clarity of thinking, I would say, right? You can't objectively look, you're, you have that overwhelming fear. So in those times, if, if you were to give anybody some kind of uh, wisdom here, if you're negotiating a contract because you're up against a tough spot or, you know, that, you know what I'm saying? Like that emotion of I'm scared to death to do this. What, what have you learned over your experience of getting through those times? You just have to do it. You have to come to an understanding that this is completely outside of your comfort zone. It's not something you want to do. It's not something you enjoy, but, but it's something that you're capable of. And you may not believe that, and that's okay. It's okay to not believe it at first, but here's the thing. Don't let yourself off the hook. And the way that I tell people, you hear a lot of people with uh, using this phrase, and I absolutely loathe this phrase, but they'll say, fake it till you make it. I hate that. I absolutely loathe that because it implies deception. But I will tell you to act as if. Act as if. As if you could negotiate your contract and get an exit in this contract, how would you do it? And you don't know yet, but act as if you could. Act as if you did know, what would you do? Act as if you knew with certainty that there was a way to get out of this contract. What would you be doing if you knew that it was absolutely 100% attainable? You would be working towards finding that solution, right? But it's about accepting on faith that it is attainable and that you are capable of doing it. The story I like to tell everybody, and this I think will resonate with you. I know you're a father and I think, you know, any parent would, would totally resonate with this story. I had a client not too long ago and they came out uh, and worked with me for a couple of days and we completely threw out their entire business model in about the first two hours. And (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, a total fear set in at this point, because now I'm completely reshaping their whole business over the next, you know, two days. And when we did that, they went out and this was like right before Christmas. They came out, I don't know, a week or so before Christmas. They put everything together. We launched before, right before the end of the year, like two or three days before the end of the year. And we were going to shut things down on January 15th. Now we turned around and did 484,000 in revenue in the first two weeks and a little bit, a couple days extra of the year. Something that, you know, this business had never generated that much money anywhere near that much money before. And we're able to do it in just a couple of weeks. And it was really interesting because in this process, we had about, I don't know, I think it was half of their, their program kind of sold out. And they, started kind of pulling back of like, well, the dates are coming up. I'm not sure quite, you know, how we're going to make this right. I don't know that, you know, and they started this kind of to backpedal and they said, you know, we're feeling pretty good about what we've achieved and, and talking themselves into acceptance of what they'd already attained. Right. And I said, well, what are you doing? We got like four more days here. Let's map this out of how the, the last four days of a promotion are always the best. Let's. And, and so we laid all of this out and, the one gentleman was kind of coming back and forth and he just couldn't get out of that, that comfort zone. He wanted to just accept what they had done already and accept that as a great accomplishment and call it good enough. And I said to him this one question, I said, he had a, he had a newborn son who was about eight months old, I guess. And, um, hadn't started walking yet. And I said, so how long do you want to give your son to walk before we just give up on him? (laughs) I mean, at some point, let's just give up on him. The, the poor little sucker is never going to walk, right? So you want to give him till he's 10 months. You want to give him till he's 12. You want to, maybe he's a late bloomer. You give him till he's 15 months. And then at that point, we just give up on ever having him walk. Throw him in a wheelchair and move on. Right. Just throw him in a chair and move on. Go, go make another one. Easy enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I know it's a goofy analogy, but it, it's true. Like we don't in our mind even comprehend of a possibility of our child not walking, 
right? So when we set our mind to something, um, we find a way. And I can tell you that there's all kinds of attorneys out there that specialize in these types of things. And contracts are signed with the best of intention under ideal search situations with proper business forecasts and all of that stuff. But things change. And things change all the time. And I think that, you know, I would never advocate that anybody do anything unethical. That's not what I'm advising. But there are shifts and changes in your business. And to approach that, you know, with an ethical solution that understands the, the leases, um, many times you'll find, too, that they're actually happy to break out of a lease early because they can raise rents. And you might have them locked in at rent levels that they would like to raise. And, and so, you know, if you get creative, there's always a way. That's, that's my, my uh, final message on it is find a way and just know that if you act as if it is doable and you keep going down that path, you'll find out how it is. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I remember, I'm sure you've had some sticky situations. I remember I had to make a phone call that I was just dreading like crazy. And, um, and to your point, all I pictured was this person no longer offering their opinion and I was thinking about how frustrated I was with their constant, just, the, I don't know how to say it, like their influence, I guess would be the, the way to say it. And I was picturing a situation like, okay, I, I want to get past that. It's going to be so tough. But to actually engage in that phone call, the thing that I ended up doing, and I don't know if you've ever had to do this, but I physically started moving some weight. Like I pushed a heavy sled and I started doing one-arm rows with the heaviest weight I could do because I was just like, you know, you get that muscle stimulation and you feel like you're invincible at some point. And then I freaking grabbed my phone and dialed the number. And I was like, I just had it out with them. And I, but it, it, I had to get over that hump, you know, like I, I could see the future. And I had to get over that. And for me, it was that physical kind of ugh, aggression that I had to develop in myself to make that decision. But anyways, yeah, no. And if that works, you know, know yourself is the first and foremost, like know yeah. what, know yourself and know what works for you. But here's the thing that I always advise people is, you know, when a situation like that comes up that you have to confront, your natural tendency is to envision the worst, right? And just like you were saying, I knew the future, da 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 da, da right? But the future hasn't happened. And it's not guaranteed. And in fact, it doesn't even exist. And, and so all you're doing is projecting at that point. You're projecting that it's going to be impossible to get out of this lease. You're projecting that there's no way in hell they'll let you out of this contract. And the reality is that's just nothing more than an assumption. So if you're going to make an assumption and you don't know that it's right or wrong anyway because the future hasn't happened, it's just an assumption, why not assume the best? Like, why not assume the best? Because the reality is, it's just a lie and fictitious imagination anyway. So why not lie to ourselves with the best possible result? So <laughs> it, it can be hard, um, but I got to tell you, I've had so many things just naturally unfold when I shift my mindset to just say, no idea how this is going to happen, but you know what? I need out of this thing and I'm just going to assume it's going to work out. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to make the business case for it and it's going to work. And I'm just going to take that mindset. And it's amazing how just that, that future projection shift alters the way you approach it. Instead of just throwing up your hands in resignation and suffering through the next three years of a lease, you start to begin to work out how you can. And uh, it's amazing how things can fall in place when you shift your mindset around it. It is tough to do, but uh, I'm glad you're giving everybody that advice so that they can illustrate the future. What's, what's one place where you maybe in the last couple of years were like true to your constraints, you, you built your business the way you wanted to build it. And can you tell us about the reward for that? Like I never worked on Fridays and I was able to go to Disney world or something like that. Some story about illustrating why it's so important to do this and what it's like when you get to harvest those rewards. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just thinking for a minute of a good example. But, I didn't know if you were uh, going to tell me you're pregnant there, man. That was a long pregnant pause. <laughs> <laughs> long pause, yeah. No, so December of 2017, um, just shifting into 2018, I had some severe chronic you know, neck problems. And, um, and I got to the point where I was in so much pain where I just said, you know what? I am putting my health above all else for the next 90 days if I literally do not work a single day and if my businesses go to hell in a handbasket, 
I will find a way to work it. I've got a home in Brazil. I could always move back down there if I need. Like I, I went to that level of I'm just scorching the earth to focus on my health. And that was a mindset shift for me where I stopped putting everything else at first. I stopped putting my business ahead of me. I stopped putting everything else. And I said, you know what? My health is going to come first no matter what. And I got to tell you, man, in January of that, the following year in 2018, I had times where I spent the whole day, like it felt like, and I'm sure it wasn't the whole day, but you know, a couple hours just crawled up in the fetal position on the couch because I had worked so hard uh, working out or done something or overdone it. I sprained ankle. Ankles, I twisted arms. I did all kinds of crazy crap because I was so far out of shape and, and going through it. And I missed several days of work. But you know what? The plates didn't break. I stopped juggling the plates and they didn't all break. A couple of them broke and they needed to be broken. And that's fine. But many of them just hit the carpet and bounced and kept going on. And, you know, fast forward today, I'm down like 75 pounds. And that is a huge radical shift for me and my ability over the past year to take on speaking gigs. And I just got back from an eight day cruise. I wouldn't even have done that, you know, two years ago in the amount of pain that I was in. So I think that's, you know, uh, the, the most prominent one on my mind at this point in time. Yeah, I, I want people to see like when you get into small business, it's really easy, like you said, to just be consumed by your work all the time. Oh, yeah. And if you're willing to put those constraints and actually build the, what you want as your dream, man, it's, uh, it can be great. And, and it's funny because <laughs> the revenue of working your ass off and it feeling every minute of every day and waking up thinking about it, staring at the ceiling late at night, you know, I've had those moments sweating and staring at the ceiling, like worried about payroll or, you know, what's coming up or projects that we said we'd finish and all those things. And you look at how much you're making. And then if you just step back, like I did with you and, decided what kind of business I wanted. And I'm like, dude, I make <laughs> it. I hate when people say this on business things, but it's like, you make twice as much in half as much work. Yeah. And I hate when people say that because it sounds disingenuous, but I swear to God, it's the, di the difference is you just decide how you're going to make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not just letting it take whatever shape it wants. You have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you come to this, this is the resolution that I know to be true. And whether you're at a point of accepting it yet, or your audience is a point of accepting it yet, um, I know it to be true. And that is the less I work, the more that I make. Because what happens is when I work less, I empower my, myself to have much more thinking time, much more planning, much more strategy time. And that empowers me to find new ways to work even less. Uh, so right now, for example, I was getting last week, I was getting off the cruise ship and I got uh, a late uh, board or exit pass. And I, I so I, I got down there and I had to wait like an extra hour. And so while everybody was in line bitching and moaning about how slow it was to us to get off the ship and whatever, I went over into just a little kind of remote corner of the cruise ship and I fired up my cell phone with rev.com and I recorded like 15 or 20 different emails in just a few minutes time by just doing it right there and had it go off and had my editor do all of that for me, right? And it was just like finding those crevices of time and shifting your mindset about it. So, you know, I think that as we start to focus on working less, it becomes like a gamified version of our life where we can say, you know what, I don't even need to, I, I write, you know, I type about 100 words a minute, so I can write emails really quickly, but I can't do it nearly as quickly as I can, as I can make them audibly, right? And so what I came to this realization is I'm far better off just hiring a copy editor on staff and having them edit all of my content so that I can churn out this content for the five different companies that I'm running much quicker and l much less use of my time. And so there again, it's a perfect example of working less generates the ability to work less. And all of that content just creates more sales, which fuels higher income, which gives me the ability to even work less, right? And that's the, the construct that I want to leave people with is that, you know, when you are continually analyzing this difference and this discrepancy between efficiency and effectiveness, the more time that you have to think on how to be effective then, you know, the less that you truly have to work in your business. I love it. I love it, Troy, that you're 
I don't know how to say it, man. You're shining light onto what business can be like and, and no matter what it is. So I, I really hope people resonate with this message. And um, man, we've covered a lot today. Uh, <laughs> I, I, before the interview, I said, I, I know I can get a lot out of you. And I feel like we're either just opening the book here. We just read through the first chapter or uh, <laughs> I just don't want this to go on for five hours because I know you got, you know, you're busy with other things too. So can we have you back on in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll have to, it'll be your challenge to try to constrain me though. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Sticking well, today. Yeah, well, thanks very much. You know, I just would encourage people to remember that constraints is all about repulsion, not attraction. You know, think of the things that repel you and what you do in your business and allow those to define the constraints of, I'm just not willing to do that. Uh, and when you start with that as the first precursor to how you lay out your structure of your business, everything starts to fall into place a lot easier. All right. And, you know, you're kind of like the A-team, Troy, like if people can find you, uh, <laughs> they can hire you, you know, but like you're tough to find and you don't, you don't have a 6,000 social media posts and 180,000 followers and stuff. So if people are interested in just the membrane kind of aspect, if, if they're like, Hey, I really want to find a way to display my content on a mobile platform and I'm struggling, where can they find out information about that? Yeah, you can just uh, email me to Troy at Membrandt.com. And Membrandt is spelled like the painter Rembrandt. Uh, so it has the D at the end. So it's M-E-M-B-R-A-N-D-T.com. But Troy at Membrandt.com, and I'll be happy to get back to you. And if it's not about the app, if you just have some other questions, I'll be happy to entertain those as well. Awesome, dude. Well, I certainly appreciate the time today. And, uh, you know, at the end of every interview, I say, go out and tell everybody listening, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. And I feel like that's all you talked about today. So uh, I really appreciate the time. Any last messages you want to share with anybody? No, I think that's it. I think we nailed it. Just uh, start with constraints. Start there. Awesome. Well, right. on behalf of Troy Broussard, this is Dr. Josh Satterley. Troy's already said it, but go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Troy. You bet. Thank you. Boom. I hope that was impactful. I know I enjoyed that interview a lot. So if you're interested in learning more about the hybrid model, then go over to clinicgymhybrid.com where you can find out more information, including information on our accelerator program, which will lay out the 42 steps to get up and running with a hybrid facility of your own. This is Dr. Josh Sayerly. We'll talk to you later.